0: Well, good morning. I'm Tommy Graham, associate pastor here at Center Point. And this morning, I get the privilege of teaching on my absolutely my favorite subject. Matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline on it entitled Worship. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks as you follow along, if you will just raise your hands, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen. A couple of weeks ago, John, our senior pastor, had asked me, said, so we've got a, a week that I'm going to be gone, and it's going to be in-between series. And if you could speak on any subject, what would it be? And I said, I want to speak on worship. Because I believe when we understand what worship truly is, and we understand how to express our worship to God, that it affects everything about who we are. And so this morning, we're going to discuss what worship is and how we can apply it to our lives And so, if you will, I want to have a word of prayer before we get started this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, I want to come before you this morning. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that we live in a country that we have the opportunity to freely worship you. Father, I pray as we take a look at your scriptures and through your word, I pray that you make it very clear to us, Lord God, not only what worship is, but how we can better worship you. And Father, I pray that you would speak this morning, Lord God, that you would move me out of the way. And that your will will be done. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. When I say the word worship, it conjures up a lot of different images in our mind. When I say worship to one person, they think about going to church. I say worship to someone else and the image that they have is of being in church singing or lifting up your hands. I say worship to someone else and they think that you're talking about a style of music. Well, this morning, I want to give you a few definitions of what worship is and how we arrived at the word worship and see how it applies to our life. Uh, The first definition is on your outline is worship is expressing complete devotion. If you ask Tommy, where would you get that definition? Well, when you read the scripture and you read the word worship, the Greek word that is most readily translated worship is a word called proskuneo. And this is what proskuneo means. It means to kiss the hand in reverence like a dog licking its master's hand. To fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence and devotion. When I was growing up, I had a little small little shepherd dog. It was just a little mutt. But that mutt. Worshipped me If I walked outside And majority of the time That dog was sitting on the front porch Waiting for me to come out And if, I hap- if he happened to not be sitting there If he was somewhere else And I opened the door and he heard the door shut He would run to the porch And he would look up at me like Would you please just pet me You know. And so I would sit down I'd pet him, he'd begin to lick my hand I'd begin to pet him He would just curl all around me If I got up and walked somewhere That dog would follow me I could take a stick and I would throw it. That dog would go fetch it and come right back just because he wanted to be near me. That dog was completely and totally devoted to me. And that is the picture, the word picture that is ascribed to the word worship. When the scripture talks about worshiping God, it is a worshiping God in such a way that you're devoted to Him like a dog is devoted to its master. Absolutely incredible picture of what worship is. Now, last week, uh, John, our senior pastor, he taught on uh, what our purpose is in life. And one of the things that we found out in that message is that our purpose is to bring God glory. And the first way that we bring God glory is to understand that each of us were created to worship God, to be holy and totally committed to Him. Well, this morning, I want to... Elaborate a little bit more on that point on worship. Matter of fact, point one on your outline states that God made us to worship and be fully devoted to Him. Now, when Moses was leading the Israelites through the desert and in the wilderness, he told the Israelites what God desired from them, what He required of them, and this is what He told them. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. If you've got your pens with you this morning, I want you to circle the word all. He wants you to serve him and worship him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the Romans, he was encouraging them to not hold anything back from God, that this is your act of worship. And this is how he wrote it in uh, Romans 12. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Jesus one time was asked of all of the commandments, of the Ten Commandments, which of the Ten Commandments is the greatest? And this is what he replied to them. Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Worship at its very essence is complete and total devotion. Embedded in the DNA of every single person is a need and a desire to worship someone or something. This is God created This completely intentional by design. We were created to need to worship something. He did that on purpose. He created us that way. And God also created us in such a way that he gave us free will. That we get to choose the object of what we worship. And God's desire for you and for me, is that we would choose, we would freely choose to worship him. That we would freely choose to be devoted to him. And that's God's desire for us. But I want you to understand something, that if we do not worship God because of the way that God created us, we will worship something or someone. And that is the note on your outline If we're not fully devoted to God, we will be fully devoted to someone or to something else. Now, when Joshua, the leader that came after Moses, when he was leading the children once they got into the promised land, and he was leading them through the promised land, this is what he told the children of Israel. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in the land that you are now living. But as for me and for my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua looked at the children of Israel and said, If you don't want to serve the Lord, if it's not desirable for you to serve him, you will serve something. You will serve someone. So choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be the Lord? Or will it be the gods in the land that you live in? And I want you to understand something, that we live in a society that there are many things for us to worship. There are many things for us to give our devotion to. And we can give our devotion completely to our careers. We can give our devotion to our hobbies. We can give our devotion to the desire to be famous. Or we can give our desire to people who are famous. We can give our... Devotion to something that um, is a good cause, a good noble cause, like the environment or saving the wells. There are lots of things in the society that we can give our devotion to. Now for me, I want to be open and transparent with you this morning. The thing that I sometimes have a hard time making sure that I don't put the devotion to this more than I do to God, because you've got to understand something. God made it very clear in the scripture that if we place our devotion to anything more than we give it to Him, that that thing will become an idol in our life. And God says we are not to have any idols. And the object that sometimes I, uh, sometimes that I can, if I'm not careful, will get in the way is my love of sports. I grew up in Texas, and being from Texas, I am a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. I, uh, I know the schedule. I know the roster. I know the stats. If the game is on, I'm going to watch the game. I have the hat. I have the shirt. matter of fact, uh, after I watch the game, if a game is on, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to watch it. And after the game is over, I go to the Internet to read an article about the game that I just watched. And then after I read that article, I go to ESPN to watch the highlights of the game that I just watched. And then after I watch that, I'll go back and read a couple more articles. And then all throughout the week, I'll listen to the radio about the game that I just watched. I mean, does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. I mean, and sometimes if I, some some of you are like, oh, yes, that's me. (laughs) But sometimes if I don't watch it, I'll find that I'm more devoted to my favorite football team than I am to God. I spend more time reading about them, more time thinking about them, more time talking about them than I do to God. And I got to make sure that my devotion is in check and that I am truly, um, that I'm truly, my devotion is more to God than it is to anything else. And you know well, the way that you know what you're devoted to is how do you act in the presence of the thing that you're worshiping? Or when you start talking about the thing that you're devoted to, What is your response? I'll never forget when I started dating Shelly. And uh, like I said, my family was a huge Dallas Cowboy fans. My dad was, my granddad was. And our tradition was on Sunday afternoon after church, we'd eat a big roast and we would go to my parents' house to watch the game. And after my wife had been around us a couple of times and she had come to those events, she looked at me and says, do you know that you change when you watch those games? And I said, What do you mean? She says, You're crazy. I mean, she said, you're in there watching the game and you're jumping up and down and you're giving your dad and your and your brother high fives and giving them hugs. And, and then she looked at me. Then she looked at me and she said, Do you realize that you talk to the TV when you're watching the games? I was like, I do. Do you know why? It's because I'm completely and totally devoted to my team. And do you know what? I was wondering, well, why aren't you devoted to my team? I mean, it is America's team. (laughs) But you know what? The truth of the matter is that she could care less because she wasn't devoted to the same thing that I was devoted to. And point two on your outline states this, that praise and worship is a natural response to the object of our devotions. It's natural It is what we naturally do when we're devoted to something and to express our praise, to express our worship to it. I want to give you another definition of worship. And worship is, worship is expressing worth. You ask me, well, where do you get that definition, Tommy? Well, your note states that the old English word for worship was worth-ship. And that it meant to ascribe worth to something. And can I tell you, when you are fully devoted to something it's not hard to ascribe worth to that. And let me give you an example. The thing that I am most devoted to other than God in this life is my wife, okay? It is, because I am so devoted to her, it is not hard for me to tell her how much she means to me. It is not hard to tell, me, tell her that I wouldn't want to live life with anyone else. It is not hard for me to tell her how beautiful she is. Matter of fact, I think she's so beautiful that I think everyone else I'll think she's the most beautiful woman in the world too, because I'm devoted to her. And it's a natural response. You know, if, if, uh, if I have a hobby, and I mean, it could be a crazy hobby. Let's say it's badminton, okay? It's this crazy hobby that you have that you are totally devoted to it. Well, if you're totally devoted to that game of badminton, you know what? You think badminton is the greatest game ever invented. And you wonder why the whole world is not playing badminton. Matter of fact, you tell all your friends, you need to come with me to play badminton because badminton is amazing. And then you start telling your friends, you matter of fact, I don't understand why they don't have, ESPN doesn't have badminton tournaments. I mean, you start telling people, it's just badminton is amazing. I mean, don't we all have friends and we know people who are committed to some hobby or some activity that they think is absolutely the best thing in the world and all they want to do is tell you about how great it is and think that you ought to think it's great too? It's natural for them because they are devoted to it, okay? Now listen, David was a man after God's own heart. That's how the Bible describes David. And when Dave, because David was a man after God's own heart, it wasn't hard for him to ascribe worth to God. I want you to listen to what he said about God. He said, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. When we're devoted to something, it's not hard to talk about how great it is. It's not hard to tell the object of our devotion, what what they mean to us. Now, point B on your outline states that praise is a response to something done well. It is an expression of approval, honor, or admiration. And praise is also a natural response to the thing that you're most devoted to. Uh, This last past year, I got the opportunity and the privilege to coach my son's uh, high school basketball game. I mean, I'm a high school, but to coach his little league basketball team. And I want to say something to you parents out there that have kids who play sports. I just want you to understand something. You're crazy. (laughs) All of you are crazy. And I am riding that boat because it's amazing when we're watching our little kids play uh, in sports and we're devoted to our kids and we're devoted to their team. When our kid does something great, We let everybody know how great our kid did. Am I right? I mean, we go bonkers at a little league game. When they do something amazing, matter of fact, if our team wins, we throw a party and we tell our kids, good job, you did an amazing thing. And we do it at our work too. You work at a company who had a great quarter and the the financial earnings was really good that quarter. And you know what? You throw a party at the end of that quarter and you all celebrate and you tell each other, man, we did a good job this year we did a good job this quarter let's keep it up good job and we also do it when we go to a concert you go to see your favorite person in concert and they just absolutely rock the house and after they get done you know what you do you stand to your feet you applaud you take your cell phone out you put the light on you're like okay oh, we will encore encore we want more we want more i mean we definitely do this at our football games don't we I mean, before the football game ever starts, we gather around and we're hugging people that we don't even know. And we're waving back and forth. And we're singing our school song, okay? A song that talks about how great our school is and our allegiance to it. The game starts and we score a touchdown and you're sitting down and you're like, oh! And you're hugging people you don't even know. Okay? And we go absolutely crazy and our our, 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 our team wins. And we want the whole world to know that we have the greatest team in the world. But yet sometimes when we come to church and we sing how great is our God, we sing it in a whisper, if we even sing it at all. Or sometimes we'll hear a testimony of someone whose life has been totally and radically changed by the power of God. Absolutely been taken out of a life that was filled with destruction and pulled from the pit of hell and is now living for God. And we see the greatest miracle that can ever take place and the greatest victory that ever gets taken place. And we clap. So that was nice. And I want to explain to you why that is. And it's not because we're not devoted to God. The majority of the time it's because most of us have been taught that the only way to praise God and the only way to worship God is in reverence, which means acting like when you come to church that you're at a funeral. And that is not the only way to praise God. We are to be reverent towards God. We are to be in awe of who he is. But there are many biblical forms of how we're to celebrate and praise the greatness of the God that we serve. Matter of fact, that's the note on your outline is this that there are many biblical expressions of praise. Over 250 times in the scripture, we are encouraged and commanded to praise God. And many of them end with this term in his sanctuary, which is the meeting place that we meet to gather to all come together to lift up his name. Now, I want you to understand something about the word praise. The word praise is a a word that it means a lot of different words, okay? When it's translated in the Bible, there's seven or eight words for the word praise that we just, we keep all these words into one. Praise God. They all have a different meaning. They all have a different action. Because one thing you had to understand about the word praise when the scripture encourages us to praise God, that that praise is a verb. It's an action, just like when my kid come home from school and he's done great on his homework, I can't tell him what a good job he did by just, well, I'm thinking that you did a good job. We can't do that because praise in its essence is a verb. And so this morning I want to read a few of those descriptions, or a few of those Hebrew words that actually mean to praise God. If you'll turn your outline over, I want you to turn it over to the connect group questions. I've listed a few of these words for you out there on the outline on your, on your connect group questions. The first word is halah. And this is the root word from which we get the English word hallelujah. And I, as I read this definition, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, does this word describe my experience at a football game or does my, this word express what I do at church? Halah. It means to boast. To make a show, to celebrate, to rave, to be clamorishly foolish. That's what the word to praise means. Yada. It means to extend the hand, to throw the hand. The giving of oneself in worship and adoration. Now, every one of you have seen this word in action. You've all seen, if you watch any sports at all, you've seen this word. Because whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball... When we're sitting on our couch or we're sitting at the game and our team does something great, we yada. Okay? Here's what I mean. We're sitting down, we're watching the game and our team just scores. What do you do? Touchdown! You throw your hands up. It's a natural reaction. What do you do when someone hits a home run? Home run. I'm watching basketball. I love basketball. And someone goes in for this 360 dunk on someone and just, and I lift my hands up and I go, Unbelievable! It is a natural response to when someone has done something great. Listen to some more words. Tada means an extension of the hand to offer thanks, to offer the sacrifice of praise and faith for what God is going to do. Barak is a word that's translated worship, and it means to kneel or to bow. Shabak is to shout in triumph. It's exactly what you hear at a football game when your team wins the game, and there's this loud roar. Of celebration. Tahala means to sing, to celebrate with song, a new spontaneous song. Zamar, to play an instrument, to sing, to make music. I mean, people ask you, why do you have a full band up there? Why do you have guitars and drums and everything else? It's because the scripture encourages us to praise the Lord, it encourages us to use string instruments, to use cymbals, to use drums, to use our voice to praise and declare how good and how great He is. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not encouraging us that we make our church a zoo where everyone's running around and and just going absolutely crazy and all out of order. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is it is right to make a big deal out of God. How many of you would agree with me? It is right to make a big deal out of God. It is right to sing with all of your heart. It is right to lift your hands and say, you are good. There are times up here when I'm playing on the worship team and I'm playing the guitar and you'll see I can't help myself. (laughs) Why? Because God is good and he deserves our praise and scripture actually encourages us to praise him. You know, many times in our lives, we were taught something that it was the only way to do something as a child. And we find out later that that wasn't the truth. And so many times in our lives, I think we grew up thinking that the only way to worship God was to be reverent. And that is a form of praising God. Don't hear me. That's not wrong. But there's so much more to what God has called us to do. And I just want to encourage us doing it. You know, I had a friend of mine who taught on this one time in Dallas. And, a good, and um, he was teaching on it. And a good friend of his came up after the service. He said, listen, I understand what you're talking about. I understand that, that praise is expressive. But you know, God just did not create me to be expressive in the way I show praise. And he said, "Mm, okay. Well, a couple of weeks later, they went to a Dallas Cowboy football game. And while they were at the game, it happened to be one of those games that was very exciting. Matter of fact, Dallas was down by about four points with just a few minutes left to go in the game. And they got the ball with about two minutes left and they were driving down the field and as you could expect, the game got very exciting. So everybody rose to their feet because they were all excited about every play that was going on. And he just thought to himself, "What a great opportunity!" So he just stayed seated. And as the game went on, and just with about twenty seconds left to go in the game, uh, Troy Aikman dropped back and he threw it through a pass, and and uh, uh, Michael Irvin caught it in the touch in, in the end zone, and the place went nuts, absolutely went nuts. And his friend. Who just weeks earlier told him that he wasn't very expressive in worship and very expressive in praise, began to jump all around and began to give people a high five and begin to throw his hands up and begin to hug and cry with people that he did not know. And he finally turned around to his friend to give him a high five, and he was like, and he looked down and his friend was sitting down. And he said, What are you doing? And he said, Well, I'm just not very expressive in the way I show my praise. <laughs> And he said he just started laughing. We were created to be expressive. We were created to be emotional. We were cre- God created those things in us so we could heap praises upon him. You know, and I think many times in our lives we need to think to ourselves, well, what am I really devoted to? If praise and worship is a natural expression of what we're devoted to, well, am I devoted to God? God. I mean, how can I show God my devotion? How can I show the world that I am devoted to him? And point three on your outline states this. It says, we need to regularly evaluate the things to which we are most devoted. I think it's good for us to give ourselves a checkup every once in a while. To see what, are, what in our lives are we most devoted to. Listen to how 2 Corinthians 13.5 says it. Test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. So this morning what I want to do is I want to ask ourselves a few questions to see what we're most devoted to. Because sometimes that's what we need to do is give ourselves a test. So I want you to In your heart, I want you to answer these questions, and I'm going to answer them too. What most influences my schedule? What most influences my schedule? I was talking to a lady just the other day that goes to our church, and she is a wedding planner or a wedding coordinator. And I was talking about her job, and she was going to help us with some things. I said, well, do you have time to do that? And she said, oh, yeah, I've got time to do that. She said, "Um, basically, from September to December, nobody gets married on Saturdays. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, everybody knows that if you plan a wedding on a Saturday during football season, that you'll have no one show up to your wedding. It influences your schedule. Yeah, I know other people who are invited to go out to eat. And, uh, you know, they they say, well, I, I can't go out to eat that night because it's the season finale of The Bachelor. I mean, what influences our schedule? I mean, it's true. Let me ask ourselves another question What are most of my conversations about? If I hang out with you long enough, I'll know what you're devoted to. Just telling you. You know why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because whatever you're talking about is what you're devoted to. If I hang around an Alabama fan, guess what they're talking about? They're talking about roll tide. Okay, if I'm talking to an Auburn fan, guess what I'm talking about? They're a war eagle. Talking to someone who's devoted to their job, guess what they're talking about? They're talking about their job. What are most of our conversations consist of? Where do I enjoy spending my money? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Listen, I love to fish. I do. Fishing is one of my hobbies, okay? It's one of the things that I'm devoted to. And Uh, Listen, I don't mind spending money on a really nice rod and reel. I don't mind spending money on tackle. You know why? Because I enjoy doing it. It's what I'm devoted to. What are you spending your money on? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? And what do you just sit around and think about? What influences my decisions? Listen to what Hebrews 3.12 says. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning you away from the living God, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardening against the God. And that's what we're doing here this morning. I just want us to take a test and say, what are we most devoted to? I want to warn us and say, if you're like me, many times my passions and my devotion can be more for something of this world than it is for God. And I think it's something that we need to keep a check on. And here's a life application for us. If our lives are more devoted to anything other than God, we need to repent. Simply, we need to repent. Repent is a very simple word that simply means to turn around 180 degrees and go the opposite direction. Stop what you're doing and do what you need to be doing. And if we find that we're more devoted to other things than God, we need to repent. Listen to what Acts 3.19 says about that. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I want you to understand something this morning. If you don't hear anything, I want you to understand something. You and I were created to worship God. He was, we were created to put him first place in our lives. And when we are fully and completely devoted to God, a natural reaction that we will have will be to worship him and will be to praise him. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord God, I pray that we would examine our hearts. And Lord God, that you would show us and that you would let us know, Lord, is there anything in our lives, Lord God, that we're more devoted to than you? I pray that you would uh, convict us, Lord God, in a good and loving way. Lord God, that we could return around and repent and put you first in our life. And that, Lord God, that we would show you more of our praise and more of our worship than we do any other thing in this world. That we be devoted to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the best worshipers on the planet. Lord God, that we would worship you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our souls. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.